Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Normally, I'd let the Union Underground play a little bit longer, but unfortunately, your host is a little under the weather in the underground this evening. Good evening, and welcome to The Reaction, a presentation here of the Chairshot Radio Network. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Obviously, I don't sound like I normally would. I'm a, sinuses have kind of gotten their ass whooped today. Joining me, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host, Tony Acero. Harry's just really sad about the Matt Hardy incident. Totally understand, man. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to mention that since you didn't get to discuss SummerSlam or Payback on this show, you actually ended up reviewing All Out for 411mania.com wrestling show. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the two marquee controversies coming out of this show. 
Obviously, you just mentioned the first one with the Matt Hardy incident and the stoppage and then lack thereof of this match with Sammy Guevara. Yeah, I mean, okay, so here, here's a situation for myself personally, one that I haven't seen online because all I've seen are wannabe doctors and people who think they know everything. This isn't my job to figure out whether it was the right call or not. I'm a fan, and as scary as it may have been to see, I'm not qualified to say that he could have went on. I actually thought it was a little bit of a work, um, an attempt to, to tell the story that Matt Hardy will not die, um, you know, because that's what he's been doing. So when I, upon, you know, seeing it again, I realize it's a nasty fall. I could point fingers at anyone, but you, you know me, Harry. I don't like to work if I'm not getting paid for it. And this is another, just another version of that where it's not my place to say anything. So I, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. I'm just glad, you know, homeboy isn't dead. Um, I agree with Aubrey Edwards' original decision to stop the match. I think you err on the side of caution in situations like that. And I know they had the stipulation that if Hardy lost, he had to retire. You could easily say that he didn't lose. It was declared a no contest. Oh, dude, I mean, you know, as a as a creative mind, there's like a billion ways you could have gotten away with that. That isn't even, I wouldn't even, like, I wouldn't even favor that excuse at all. I do want to give props to Aubrey Edwards, though, bro, because, I mean, tell me that wasn't, like, one of the more professional things you've seen. A ref is so in the background more often than not. So when you see them able to be important, it's, it's kind of nice to see. Like, these do, these guys do have training. They, they do have the wherewithal to stop a match. And I think a lot of people forget well, that. We kind of saw that to a lesser extent on Raw tonight with Ivar's injury. And the fact that the referees were out there tending to him as quickly as they were. Yeah. You know, there's a cynical part of me that thinks WWE faked that just to show that they care more about their employees than AEW. All kind of like how AEW threw shade about the third-party streaming services. Yeah, but that was more like direct. Like they were they were making a point. <laughs> that was intentionally tongue in cheek. Yeah. Alright, the other controversy is the Darby Allen situation with the body bag and the thumbtacks and the bench press by Brian Cage. Um I I have to ask, were there people up in the arms that everything Mick Foley did, whether they whether it was stupid or not? Um, one could argue that we're more educated with concussions and mind and um, injuries and all that, but I find that somewhat irrelevant. Um, it's just people looking for anything, literally anything to complain about. The dude's crazy, and we've known that for a while. And if Darby said, hey, do me a favor, put me in a body bag with thumbtacks and slam my fucking body across the, the stage, I mean, that's on him. <laughs> You know what, and that's kind of the exact thought that I had, too, is I kind of figured it was Darby's idea. Because yeah, it's a bump Darby was. taken in a vault before. That was nobody's you know, idea watched... but his, you know? That that was that, that's Darby all over it, and I don't even know the guy. Um, and who's to you, say? I don't know. You, I, some, some people said that even the thumbtacks didn't have um, points on it, which I thought was interesting. Um I'm not saying it was true or false, but that would be an interesting way to assure that, you know, no one really got hurt. Never, never mind the tax, dude. Well, Just putting yourself in a body bag and being slammed, that, that alone is harsh. 
you know I watch a shit ton of wrestling, so I'm familiar with the spot in question here. He did it in a feud with Ethan Page in Evolve Wrestling, so it's not like Darby doesn't have experience. Uh, Allen took at Evolve was off the stage to the floor. Yeah, man, it's just, I don't know, 2020 is weird. Everyone's looking for something to bitch about, and I'm I'm not going to jump onto that train. As far as Matt goes, this dude's been doing crazy shit for over 20 years. Uh, What? I'm sorry, what was that? I'm getting uh, long pockets of silence from you, Harry. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. And you're gone again. Tony, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, I'm back. This is Harry's way of the... um, giving a little bit of a nod to Retribution. It appears that they've affected our podcast as well. This group knows no bounds, I tell you guys. Watch out for them. What a, what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, though, you can definitely tell who at least one of the members was tonight. You know what? I feel like the the Kickstarter has finally, you know, reached some money because they were able to get a logo. Um, looks like they maybe got some new outfits. So, I mean, good for them, you know. It's hard out there being a anarchist group. I'm just happy that they're finally starting to push forward with something resembling a modus operandi. Yeah, you know, I want to be – well, let's get to the show. Let's get to the actual show, and then we'll talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome right. to the Raw Reaction. <laughs> Real quick, before we continue after those audio issues, the question that I had asked you before my phone went to shit on me was, given the fact that you actually saw the pay-per-view, what were your overall thoughts? I think that it's the weakest effort that I've seen from AEW. I don't think it's necessarily their fault that it was the weakest. I think a lot of people were kind of flustered, um, both with the Battle Royal, which had a very weird ending, I think, 
um, had a couple of injuries, a little bit of sloppiness altogether. And then you had Matt do his thing. So I think it just caused a little bit of unease, you know. And anybody that's worked on a show um, in the indies or a more professional one, you know that one bad thing can really set, can really mess up the flow of the entire show. Um, an injury, someone being hurt, you come with this uh, mentality where the show must go on, but, hey, one of your brothers is hurt. And I think the AEW kind of suffered from that because the decisions, such as the falls and who won and the storylines, those were all fine to a degree. Um, it was more or less just the layout, the flow, the wrestling itself. And then you've got to – and I'm not making excuses for them because I still rated them relatively low. But then you've got to consider the fact that they're in Florida. It's hot as all hell. The humidity is like a 1,000. And you have to really, really be careful as a performer. You can dehydrate yourself really quickly. And, I mean, it'll cause – you know, you and I, we're, we're regular dudes, man. And let me tell you, the sun will defeat me. I won't want to do shit for the day. So <laughs> imagine a wrestler having to put on 20-minute matches. So, yeah, I think I rated it a 7.5 in the report. Um, I would probably lower it, to be honest with you, to 7. But I also want to put out there that a 7.5 in AEW is like an 8.5 in WWE. Um. It was a bad night to be named Matt unless you were Jackson. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Poor guy. I, I kind of felt bad for Seidel. Yeah, there's nothing else to feel except for bad. That's just a – that was just a – he was so excited, dude. He was so happy, and then he just went out there and, and shock-mastered it. You you mentioned the humidity there. That had to be a situation of a moisture on a turnbuckle pad when he went to plant his feet for the shooting star. Yeah, I'm sure someone got their face slammed in it and left a little bit of grease. <laughs> Too much goddamn baby oil in this company. I'm sure. I'm sure baby um, oil has caused a lot of injuries. Oh, favorite match overall from the show, though, just real quick, and then we'll move on. Uh, I don't really remember. I, I got to admit, Jurassic Express and Young Bucks. I missed the bulk of it. My stream went out. Um, and I do remember enjoying the the women's match. I know that it kind of had a death spot. I know that people think it went on a little long, but I had a good time with it. Um, and I was very shocked at the winner. I didn't. I mean, it's nice to know AEW has a stand uh, a position where they can say that they're important enough to have some other champion lose to their champion. Well, I think this is just the beginning of things with the NWA, but I don't want to go too far into that because this is, after all, a WWE-related podcast. Yeah, which is funny because people say that I'm on Tony Khan's payroll. I mean, let me just tell you two words I wish. <laughs> Tony is Sarah Khan. Yeah. I'm a con man. Con! <laughs> nice. I want the Star Trek reference. Yeah. Well, you're not going to hear me reference Star Trek. It's okay. You can face the Wrath of Khan later. Anywho. Um, yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed um, Hangman and Omega versus FTR. I do think it went a little long. But in fairness, 
for as good as the uh, Hangman and Omega match with the Young Bucks was, I had the same criticism about that match as well. I thought it dragged it down because I thought they went too long and they ran out of ideas. Similar here with FTR. I am intrigued to see what they do with FTR with the tag title, so I'm going to give them my match of the night. All right, let's move on. Let's get over to the WWE and step back into the Thunderdome. Um, so, as you guys can tell, uh, obviously our electronics are against me tonight. I don't sound the same because I'm not feeling well. So we're going to run kind of an abbreviated format for the show tonight. What we're going to do is we're going to pick one specific thing each from Raw and SmackDown to discuss, and then we hit the shows with a final reaction at the tail end in order to wrap things up in a nice, tidy little bow. So, Tony... What's your one big takeaway from SmackDown? I have a feeling I know where this is going. My baby girl. <laughs> Man. She got beat. Um, okay, so here was my problem with that segment. And I know there are going to be people that are going to say that they should have saved it for a bigger moment. It should have happened on pay-per-view or whatever they consider to be a pay-per-view. Now, that wasn't my problem. My problem was, is for as vicious as Bailey was supposed to be, a lot of those shots looked really weak. Are you ready? Go for it. I thought this entire thing was beautiful. Um, first of all, I'm the first thing shocked. They did, <laughs> the first thing they did that worked out great was that they kept Nia out of the match. <laughs> they knocked her on her ass, and she was not well, included just, at all. Well, that's just obvious booking. Right, but they don't do that. So the second thing that they did was they made Shayna destroy Sasha. They made you feel sympathy for the girl. And I'm not talking as the Sasha Mark that I am. I'm talking as a casual fan that's like, oh, shit, she's beating Sasha's ass. <laughs> so, like, it's yeah, not that's... like, oh, there's a regular match and she loses and then there's a beatdown. Sasha got her ass handed to her. Yeah, and... like that, uh, ser- that series of stomps to the knee and the back of the leg by Shayna towards the end of the match was vicious looking. That's kind of great. the reason that I had that's kind of the reason I had an issue with the beatdown that Bailey laid in is because compared to Shayna's, it didn't look anywhere near as vicious. Yeah, I get that. But you know what also I get is Sasha Banks being the best trucking seller ever in the world. Um, <laughs> the girl just looked beat up. She looked like she got her ass handed to her, which is why um, when Bailey did her turn, it was more emotional than it was physical. Uh, I do agree that it didn't look nearly as bad as Shayna, but it just it still had the same impact. And I was thinking today, uh, Naomi had a, a small interview about the Naomi deserves better and how WWE spoke to her and said you know certain things. And I was wondering if there's any, because of course no one has said this, but I wonder what the WWE views their storylines. Like, are they holding out on anything with the hope that eventually they'll get a crowd back? You know what I mean? Could they have told Naomi, like, we do want to give you a chance, but it would make much more sense with an actual crowd versus Sasha and Bailey, who, like, it's either shit or get off the pot, you know, and they've, they've prolonged this forever. Like, is it one of those moments where, like, this is a hot program we can take for a while We don't really have any hot programs, so let's use this one. I don't know. I don't know. I really wonder that, though. Because, in my opinion, I want Bailey versus Sasha with a huge crowd. Like, I just think it would be amazing. But I get that we wouldn't necessarily need it because we've had it before. Um, So this this is one of those times where 
I, I'm not really sure, but I, I'm, I'm going to hopefully enjoy the ride. <laughs> I want to hear Bailey's um, response. I hope it's not Cedric Alexander 2.0 because we had a lot of weird divisions tonight on Raw. We had a lot of, like, just teams that weren't teams that are teams that aren't teams anymore and, you know, pairings that just, like, I don't know. So this one... At least, at, the good, at least Bailey hopefully will not have any specific changes in her character. She's just tired of, you know, Sasha being the loser and whatnot. I don't know. I enjoyed it. And obviously Sasha being a part of it has a lot to do with it. But I thought it was a really, really done, well done segment. I thought SmackDown as a whole was a really, really well done show. I know you hate when I do this. But I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> at this at this point, do you keep do you keep Sasha off TV until the Rumble? Um, it's hard to say. A part of me wants to say yes, but I mean we've had this argument many times before with the WWE using the Rumble for people that don't necessarily need it. If you're gonna keep her until the Rumble and then make her win the Rumble, of course I want to see a Sasha Banks win. But this has so much like animosity in it. You don't even need that. And I'm probably going to complain about that once it happens. I wish like this. I'm going to have to trade her in my fantasy league. <laughs> you can still call your team Team Banks, Tony. It's okay. I know it'll break your heart to get rid of her, but she'll live on in your heart. What is it, Team Banks with like zero points? <laughs> what a bad start. <laughs> Do you still have Cesaro? Um, I don't think so. I think someone picked him before me. I don't remember who I have. I just know that I have Sasha, and I'm pretty sure I have Naomi. All right, hold on. All right, I think we're good. You hear me, Tony? Yes, I can. Okay, cool. My headphones went out for a second, but they're back. All right. Um, there's so long storylines, so I think it's worth a way to determine the number one contender to Roman Reigns' Universal Championship at Clash of Champions. Matt Riddle, King Corbin, and Sheamus, but Sheamus ended up laying out Big E the tracksuit kind of took away from it a little bit, but that's kind of splitting hairs. Uh, Sheamus gave Big E. So that took Big E out of the main event and then instead ended up being Sheamus, Matt Riddle. And Jay Uso actually picks up the win. time to do new so, main eventers and stuff. Obviously, this isn't going to be a situation where Uso is going to be a main eventer full-time going forward. In the absence of Jimmy due to the injury? Um, first, I want to let you know that you're, you're, um, you're going in and out, which means your headphones are probably dying. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to have to ask you, I'm going to have to have you ask that question again. <laughs>
I'm about to pull the fucking plug on this one, Tony. I ain't even going to lie. Jesus. <laughs> How much so was your question about Jay? I heard a bulk of it. My question? What was the... Uh, okay, the official question was, are you surprised that they're actually doing something with Jay as a singles with Jimmy out with the injury? Um, It's not that I'm surprised. I mean, I first of all, I love this entire story. I think... I think SmackDown was one of the best SmackDowns of the year. No exaggeration. It was a tightly knit little show. It was great. And one of the reasons why was this storyline. A, you keep Big E out of the main event, which means he doesn't have to lose, but he also doesn't have to face Roman Reigns right away. Um, Because for whatever stupid-ass reason, they've made us believe that Big E may not be able to handle a single career right now. So now we're conditioned to think he's going to get squashed by Roman. Also the fact that it's Roman. Um, so you get him out of the main event in a way that looks pretty vicious and has him a, has gives him a ready-made feud for, with Sheamus. Um, and then you have or a at least yeah a little run-in with Jay earlier in the show, which makes sense because that's Reigns, Roman Reigns' cousin, and they've been in few, uh, stables before, and it's just no one questioned that. Um, and then Jay gets a shot, and. It's almost to the point where you don't think there's any way he's going to win at all, and you think, oh, fuck, Corbin's taking this one. Um, <laughs> and then Jay wins. And it was orchestrated by Heyman. Um, Jay ends up winning just as this smart man thinks is going to happen. Jay's going to face Roman, and there's just so many ways you can go. There's the finger poke of doom, which, is, which creates a stable, right? I don't think they're going to do that, but I'm just saying it's on the table. Then there's this legitimate tr- try with Jay, where Romans is going to beat his ass. He's going to destroy him. And then you have this possible, in the future, bloodline, you know, stable. There's just a bunch of different avenues you can go. And I love that because I don't know where they're going with it, and I'm cool with it. At the end of the day, the worst we're going to get is a really good wrestling match because Jay Uso can go, and Reigns seems pretty motivated with his newfound, you know, healdom. So I, I, don't, I won't call it a surprise in the fact, like, I'm surprised they're giving this guy a push. But it was very nice. And I want to I wanna express that this is way different than Grand Metalik getting a shot at the IC title because that had no history, no reason for it to happen, completely unbelievable, and then forgotten almost immediately. This might be forgotten, but there's just so much weight to it that it, it just it works way better. And this is a distinct difference between storytelling and whatever the fuck Grand Metalik's win was. I thought about this as I was watching the show, because I actually watched SmackDown earlier today. I slept through SmackDown on Friday night, because I haven't been feeling the greatest. Uh, and I thought about this while I was watching the show here, is while they're setting up, while they're setting up Jay for this match here, Jay's going to catch an ass whooping to put over the viciousness of the new Roman Reigns. And I think I'm okay with it. Because Jay's a tag team wrestler. He doesn't need to be worried about being protected in a singles match. Jay will eventually be able to look back on this one day and say, hey, I got a, I got a singles heavyweight opportunity on a pay-per-view, even though I was a tag team guy. And it's something he'll can look back fondly on. But I do think that this is just going to be an avenue in order to explore the depths of depravity that the new Roman Reigns is willing to stoop to, to, including beating the hell out of his own flesh and blood. Yep, all with Heyman laughing maniacally in the background. 
And even though his stuff has been pulled from the WWE's website, and apparently he's on the outs right now, we've heard this many times before, it almost kind of sets up a Brock Lesnar return to Battle Roman with the roles reversed, which I actually kind of think works better. I refuse to no. say that name until not our saying it's not, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a match I want to see again. I'm just saying, saying that it sets up the viable possibility of it. Yeah, well, I'm not speaking it into existence. Overall score for SmackDown, Tony? I think I gave it an 8 or an 8.5. I know it was really high. I enjoyed it. I loved the episode. The wrestling was great which I, you have to love. There weren't that many matches, but each one mattered. Solid stuff. Everything mattered on that show. Everything. Completely you know, different I, than tonight. <laughs> you gave it an eight and a half, and I'm actually inclined to agree with you at eight and a half. And one other thing that I do want to give credit to as well, actually, you know what? I'm going to save it for my, uh, I'm going to save it for my final reaction. Cause I think there's, I think there was a performance, even though it was quick on the show that I think we have to acknowledge. That moves right. us over to tonight's episode. That moves us over to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw, and I actually want to give them credit for something, Tony. I can't believe I'm about to read these words. Until the finish, Kevin Owens and Aleister Black is what Raw Underground should be. Well. I can tell that you're going to disagree, and that's fine, but here's why. Uh-huh. Alistair Black is a street fighter. Alistair Black is a guy that he's known for his kickboxing. He's known for his MMA background. He's known for his Muay Thai. He's known for his strikes. He's known as a fighter. Kevin Owens has literally made a WWE career on being the prize fighter. Except this time, instead of being a prize fighter, Kevin Owens is out for fucking vengeance because Aleister Black kicked him in the face two weeks ago. Say what? I didn't say anything yet. Okay, I, I, I heard an echo. It might have been myself echoing. Anyway, that's what I was saying here. Up until the finish where Baba Tunde's giant ass got involved, I don't know what his Raw Underground name is, and frankly, I don't. I think it's like Dabo Kato or some shit. I really don't care. Up until he got involved there, those two brawling back and forth throughout the Raw Underground arena in a situation where they put them in a fighting environment made sense to me, and I thought it worked. Obviously, you don't agree, and I will allow you to explain why. Okay, so Kevin Owens is a prize fighter. What was the prize here? The chance to kick Alistair. Alistair, Yes, there was. The chance to kick Alistair Black's ass for turning his back on him. But you don't know the rules to this thing. You don't know what you can and can't get away with. Shane stopped it at the most random of times, and then we're we're supposed to believe it just kept going. And where where in this is the comeuppance, regardless of the finish. This is no different than a match that we've seen before because it was slightly more aggressive. I can't I don't buy it at all. If you want excuse me, if you want to go beyond the storyline told on Raw, this isn't it. This isn't beyond Raw. This is literally a door down the hallway 
Like, it's just, it's retarded. It's just stupid. It needs to go away completely. There is no redeemable factor for this entire situation. Not one. None. Not even a little bit. You're making it more important than the regular show or more violent than the regular show? Or is this where the feud goes to die? Because I guarantee you that's not what's going to happen. It's going to continue. So what you did was you put them in an unsanctioned, quote-unquote, fight where Kevin Owens' single prize was to get his comeuppance. And then you're going to book another match relatively soon, probably next week, where they fight again, where they do a street fight WWE style, which basically means throw your partner into the barricade a hundred times. No, you you gave... Raw Underground isn't important enough to end a feud. It's certainly not important enough to continue a feud. But if it were, I would rather it end one. I would rather that be the main event. That would give it credence. That would give it legitimacy. And somebody better fucking believe. Because that didn't seem real to me. It seemed slightly more aggressive. Slightly. That's it. And yeah, that ending was stupid. (laughs) I... Like, the ending was the biggest takeaway that I had is the fact that they used the very... What they've been trying to build is a very personal situation with Owen taking Alistair Black, Alistair Black turning on him personally. They used it as an opportunity to try to get Baba Tunde over. Right. And what does that mean? That this guy's more important or he's more violent than Kevin Owens and Alistair Black? Like, what is that... What are we supposed to take away from that? Ugh, that was just eye roll inducing. I actually, I like I said, I enjoyed like the striking atmosphere that Black and Owens found themselves in throughout the course of the underground portion of their match. I enjoyed it, but in fairness, I can kind of see where they were coming from putting them in this situation due to the nature of both of the characters involved. Would it be better as a blow off? Sure. But they don't trust Raw Underground enough for it to be a blow off. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Tony, what was your big thing that you wanted to discuss from tonight's episode of Raw? From Raw. Man, there's so much. Um, <sighs> Just not our truth, please, because God, that segment was fucking awful. Yep, more garbage. Oh, our truth's on my team. <laughs> um, well, I guess we could talk about Mysterio since it was a bulk of the show. Um, first of all, I, I don't, I don't know why his wife and daughter are there. I, I don't, I, I get the familial um, aspect of it, but I've mentioned it before. Sooner or later, Dominic's gonna have to stand on his own, and it's really hard to see like a mom super sad about her son getting his ass beat in a match that he agreed to. So I get it. I get it. Regardless of anything, your mom's going to feel really bad about it. But still, it just like kind of remove it. It continues the narrative that Dominic is a child. And that is not what you want to be doing right now. Um, he did more um, for himself at the, you know, the mat. What? I have an idea as to why Aaliyah was there. Eh, nope. Um, so there's no reason for them to be there. Kayfabe, what are they? Are they, are they uh, contracted? What if they get hurt? What kind of risk factor are you facing? Why would you be able to? Why is Ray able to bring his family to the ring and nobody else? Since when have they been involved if it's just Don and Ray? Oh, no. I don't disagree with that portion of it, but I I, I stand by what I've said before to other people here. Aaliyah's turned into a beautiful young woman, and she's somebody who I think that if she wanted to try to, uh, to 
go into the family business much the same way Dominic has, she would have the opportunity to do so with the Fed. I find that incredibly favoring Rey Mysterio. I find that nepotism a bit too much to handle. Um, also, it does not lend credence to the story. Uh, the story is gone. The story is raised. The story has not been the Mysterio family. They're trying to make it that. And they, they've, they've kind of booked themselves into this corner where they have to include these people. And then it resulted in what we saw tonight, which was not at all anything closely related to a face. Now, one could argue that they try to gauge, you know, they try to gouge Ray's eye out. They try to do the same to Dom. And I get that. And I get how a family realistically would be relatively upset. But again, this is your job. This is what you signed up for. And then you have the wife say, I can't hit him. I can't do that. And then hit him and do that immediately after. Um, they're, they're just not, I don't know. It just feels like there's too much. This, this needs to end already. He needs to go into a different feud. The family needs to go away. Um, it, them Four people beating down a guy. It just didn't end the show how I think they thought it did. It didn't come off to me as the Mysterio family overcomes all, you know, suppression and evil doing by Seth. Because, again, this shit is not over. Like every other storyline on Raw, this is going to continue. It's not done in the slightest. So what's going to come from this? Are we supposed to feel sorry for Murphy? Actually, the Rollins portion of it might be over. Okay, sure. Let's find out well, next let's week. Not for, let's not forget Becky's. Becky's what? Six and a half, seven months pregnant at this point. Six months at the minimum. I'm saying that um, we not seeing Rollins on TV this week might be a sign of things to come for the immediate future due to him taking time off to be with his pregnant wife. Not saying Rollins on Raw was so that Murphy could get his ass beat without any help. He'll be back. Almost guarantee that he'll be back, even if it's for a one-off feud or one more pay-per-view match with Ray. Or Ray's injured. Well, I mean, it's, just, it's not over. That's all I'm saying. It's not over. It needs to be over. I would love for it to be over. I'm hoping it's over, but it's not. I just saw your score for tonight's episode. We are in very strong disagreement on this one. Mm-hmm. But we will discuss that here in a few moments. Let's instead focus on our final reaction, shall we, Tony? Yep. All right. Your favorite match or moment from this week of wrestling? I think I know. Sasha, for sure. Yeah. Good job for Shayna, too. Uh, she looked vicious. She looked nothing like she did tonight. That was horrible. Oh, that's kind of the thing is this is kind of the Shayna that people have been expecting to see on the main roster. The the, the Shayna we saw on SmackDown. Yeah, losing to Liv Morgan on a fucking roll tonight pissed me off. Because there is no way that Liv... Okay, maybe that's a bias showing, but there's no fucking way Liv Morgan should be pinning Shayna Baszler. The fuck out of here. Um... I'm going to go with the four-way. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well booked. I thought that they had everybody have some. Had, everybody had a meaningful role to play, and they all played their roles well. I think that you definitely set things up going forward in the continuation of Corbin and Riddle. Even if we may not want to see Riddle continue with Corbin, Corbin does have 
a history of working well with smaller opponents. Uh, Big E and Sheamus got an extra layer added to their feud in the process of taking Big E out of the match tonight. And we have a contender that we've not seen as a contender before, but it feels like a legitimate reason to have him as a contender in Jey Uso. I gotta know, how does a man with a working visa for America get to do all these crimes? He falsified information, framed somebody with a DUI, caused property damage twice. <laughs> Dude, though, man, how's he not arrested yet? He must have a really good lawyer. His lawyer is definitely not Mark Sterling. Huh. That reference is for our AEW fan listeners. Who are hate listening just because they dislike everything the WWE does. You know there are people out there that do it, Tony. Oh, for sure. Um, least favorite match or moment from this week? Oh, man. There's so many. Um, they all came from tonight. Um... I'm going to go with the back-to-back matches of Nia and Shayna against the Riot Squad. Um, or Ruby, Riot, and Liv Morgan, if you will. Not that they need this win, Ruby and Liv, but you built these two up to be a will-they-won't-they they team, and then they will, and they become a team, and then you put them against two girls that you know are going to demolish them, and no, a roll-up doesn't give them any type of clout. They're going to try to sell it to us that, you know, Liv got a win over Shayna, but you hurt Shayna way more than you helped live. Um, a close runner-up, an honorable mention, if you will, would probably be Peyton Royce versus Billy Kay. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because that was actually my pick. <laughs> I figured and it was, reason I, kind of why I wanted to leave that in for you. And the reason that that was my pick is because of the fact that you had all of this build. We didn't get to do a show last week when they split up the Iconics, which for the record is fucking dumb in and of itself, but I digress. So they have them have an immediate, they have them have an immediate singles match rather than building towards it in order to make it mean something, building up the history of their friendship, building up the fact that they've been, they've been together as long as they have in terms of, their wrestling careers. No, we're just going to have you guys face one-on-one the very next week. Billy Kay is a femme fatale. What? That's it. No, seriously. What? No, but, but Harry, she has bat wings on her hips. So, like, that's like, you know, it's totally. Is that, like, is that like the wrestler equivalent of a tramp stamp? I don't even know what it is. I just think it was whatever. But, I mean, you know what? I imagine I... the conversation went like this. Peyton, you're, we're giving you a push. So, Billy, she's going to beat you. Let's go. <laughs> Here's the problem that I have with this match here. One, I will give credit to Billy. Billy changed up her look for this match. Peyton was still wearing her Iconics gear. That's not going to work going forward. <clears throat> Unless Peyton thinks she was the better person and she decided to keep her gear. I wasn't really too bothered by that. I did notice it. But, you know, that, that, there's so many other things to complain about with this one that I wasn't going to be mad that she wore the same outfit. 
two, you're trying to tell me that these two best friends are going to have this match here, and it only goes like five minutes. They're going to have this match, and then they're going to be okay again? Like, Bailey looked like she was crying. Tony, you don't want your wrestlers to cry, do you? No, I mean, this one has a lot of emotional weight. It's just unfortunate that nobody cares. Um, People were struggling just to watch them as a team. And then you gave it all of one episode of Raw to build up the fact that they've known each other since high school. And then you try to pretend that it mattered when they broke up. And then you send them to Raw Underground for no reason. And then you make Peyton grin at the fact that her friend is getting her ass beat behind her. So it just didn't come off as anything we see. No, do you know what pissed me off there? Not only did Peyton grin, Peyton threw Billy to the wolves. Why mm-hmm. the fuck would Peyton do that? What sense would that make? <laughs> and there wasn't any she... blood between them. Nobody turned on each other. So why would they even, never mind a slow crawl to a match, why would they have one in general? Why would they be like, no, so, this needs to fucking happen and it needs to happen now? The only reason that they could possibly have for Peyton throwing Billy to the wolves is the fact that Billy got pinned and cost them their team. But Yeah, which you kind of saw in tonight's match, but you definitely didn't see it on Raw Underground. You heard her mention, like, it was your fault because we lost and blah, blah, blah. That's cool and everything, but who made that stipulation? Who agreed to it? Why would we even do that? Like I said, I think the conversation went, Peyton, we're going to give you a singles push. Billy, you're shit out of luck, and that's it. Peyton, you're going to be challenging Oscar soon. Billy, good luck getting on main event. <laughs> You've got to be joking. Huh? At, at least Billy isn't as bad as Lana is. Well, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and let Lana be our escape goat. Shut up. I, have that I saw some reports that, that were like, don't be rude. She suffers from dyslexia, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to still say it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you to shut up for saying it. I do appreciate the fact that Lana got gear that matches Natalia, though. You know, Commitment this match to the wasn't that bad. She didn't have a lot of time to be bad, but, you know, she was at least serviceable. If I'm going to knock her every week, I need to give her some sort of prop. Tony, it is 15 years later, and my crush on Mickey James has only grown stronger. Bro, she is so beautiful. And, man, she can wear some wrestling trunks. Uh, I do believe that the phrase that she tried to get over when she originally came back to Raw was Milfie James, until Vince put the kibosh on that. Uh, no, definitely accurate, though. Yeah, she's right. You can, send all, you can send all hate mail to Greg DeMarco Lives at gmail.com. <laughs> all right. Uh, overall show rating for Raw since we already did SmackDown. If Greg's going to get hate mail, it's probably going to be from that horrible TikTok video that he tried to do. Oh, my. Did you see my comment on that? <laughs> no. Rest in peace. Uh, Greg's dignity was 43. May it rest in peace. (laughs) Overall show rating for Raw? Uh, Four. 
did not enjoy Raw tonight. And, you know, a lot of people think that I go in ready to hate it, and that's not the case. I go in hoping for the best, and proof would be SmackDown. Um, I watched SmackDown. I loved it. I thought it was a great show. 8.5 out of 10 is high as shit for a rating. Um, Raw, not so much. <laughs> Six. I enjoyed the show. I liked the entire show long arc between McIntyre and Orton with McIntyre getting his revenge. I enjoyed the Raw Underground bit with Aleister Black and Kevin Owens more than you did, obviously, and that's okay. We don't have to agree on that. I'm kind of enjoying the way that they're setting things up for Asuka and Mickey, although I really wish they would save this for the Classic Champions show instead, just because I do think that this is a pay-per-view worthwhile match, and we've seen it before on a pay-per-view style event when they went on TakeOver while Asuka was NXT Champion. They've kind of um, hinted towards the fact that they met when Asuka was NXT Champion as well, which I appreciate because that gives the feud a little bit more gravitas, in my opinion, that they have a history. And, okay, so we didn't really discuss it. I think we kind of have to. The big thing to happen from tonight's episode of Raw, outside of uh, McIntyre's revenge and the Raw Underground thing that we discussed already, um, Cedric Alexander joining the Hurt Business, and Shelton Benjamin is immediately skeptical. I know you. I know you said that you didn't. You didn't like kind of the stop-start way that they did that there. But you have to admit, if this is a way to get Cedric Alexander more screen time, it can't be a bad thing, right? Um. Well, no, it's not a bad thing. And the small amount that I saw with Ricochet and Cedric in the ring, I got hyped. Like I want to see that match, and I want them to have ten minutes. But. Yeah, of course I have complaints about the way it went. Reports are Raw wasn't even written until today. Um, I'm going to say I'm okay with Cedric's turn here for one major reason. And the major reason I'm okay with Cedric's turn here is because the reports were that it was going to be Ali that turned, and I didn't want that to happen. I mean, they've been building up to this for a while, and that's kind of why I'm okay with it. But it, what, I, what I didn't enjoy was how – this is more of a wrestling trope than specifically Cedric, but how the minute he turned, all of a sudden he was just an asshole. Like, everything went out the window. <laughs> like, like I, I, just, I just want a more organic turn. I want a little bit of turmoil. I want him to look at Ricochet and be like, bro, I tried. You know, like, <laughs> like I want – I don't want a, a flip of the switch because he comes down, he gets his ass beat and jumped by the Hurt Business, and then he's in the ring, and then he turns, and MVP and Lashley are super shocked, super surprised. So it wasn't like a plan. It wasn't like they fake beat him up and then they knew he was going to turn, which makes me like, okay, how would you just get your ass beat and then be okay with it because you'd rather, you know, earn and learn. I, I don't know. So – it's not that it wasn't believable. Well, actually, it's I not that it of, hasn't been. I kind of get why he, he kind of explained why he joined the Hurt Business, because he was tired of getting his ass beat by them and standing up for other people when it wasn't advancing his career. His point about turning on Apollo Crews made perfect sense to me. I love his explanation. 
I don't like the timing of it, and I don't like the switch. That's that fair. was more of a light switch and less of a, a – I don't even want to say slow burn because this has been brewing for a long time. But, like, when he when he when when they did the eight-man the eight tag, all of a sudden he's doing forearm scrapes to the head. Like, he opened up the Heel 101 book and said, these are the moves that I can do now. Like, it just – I don't know, man. It just comes off as, like, you know, so <sighs> formulaic. Every heel must do this. Every turn must have this. You know, I know movesets change because they want to minimize the pop. But guess what? The WWE controls the pop now. So, like, like, what are you really concerned about? I think it was showing off that he he was was trying to show off a more aggressive side, that's all. Like, I get where you're coming from 100%, and I agree. I do think that... um, I do think that it should have been a little bit slower in happening of him adjusting his offense to fit his new style. Because he still used a couple of moves that are going to get reactions tonight. I think he should phase them out in the future, such as the the neuralizer and the lumbar checks. He's going to need something a little bit more, a little bit more high impact that isn't as visually impressive, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I never understood that adage. Like, again, I said, I get it. But imagine Cedric hitting the lumbar check and then just like fucking like double like pumping his chest at the guy he just messed up on the ground as if he's going to punch him again like it, the move set doesn't matter so much as how he deals with the move set if homeboy hits a lumbar check and then stands above his opponent and like flexes two times you know like like as if he's going to hit him again and then covers boom automatic kill you know why because my move is the shit and I will fuck you up with it I'm not going to change you know I don't know Never been big on that idea or that notion. I get it. I know why they do it, but like I said, they control the pop now. So that doesn't that one argument doesn't even hold water anymore. The idea behind Ricochet kicking out at, at two there. Do you think they went to the finish because of Ivar's injury, and then they'll just run this back next week or something? Well, that's what it sounds like. It's not, or that's what it looked like. It looked like Ivar supposedly got injured. Like I like I joked in the beginning of the show. There's a little bit of a cynic in me that thinks they did it on purpose, but um, I hope not. I hope he's okay. It looks like he got injured. Ref got the cue, didn't tell Ricochet, called for the end of the match, and that was it. You know, miscommunication. Right, especially now that they're trying to produce live content again rather than taping it like they've been recently. All right, let's go to our MVP for the week, Tony, because we interrupted the final reaction in order to have the Cedric Alexander discussion. MVP. Okay. Sasha, for sure. The girl sold the shit, not just out of Bailey's beating, but out of um, Shayna's, um, the whole match. I, I just, you know, she's, you can't say she's underrated because she gets a lot of love. And you definitely can't say that I underrate her because she could freaking walk to the market and get a five-star match from me. But it just, she does everything right, except Honestly, her weakest point, in my opinion, are her promos, and that's me saying it. But other than that, the girl's just, man, she's a natural in the ring. I'm going to go with Jey Uso again, just because, and I feel like I'm kind of piling on with what I said for my, for my favorite match or moment thing by giving it to Jey Uso here. But I want to throw out an honorable mention. I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Is the character switch we're seeing in Alexa Bliss? What do you think? 
I love it. It makes no sense. I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense if you you know um, agree that the fiend is a cartoonish character. Um, but I don't know. I like it. What I'm afraid of is next week we're going to get her in the Firefly Funhouse, and it's going to jump the shark because WWE doesn't know what subtle is, and they're incapable of you know letting stories breathe. And when they I do let stories breathe, Jesus, do they let them breathe? I hadn't even thought about the fact that she could show up in the funhouse next week, and now I'm worried that it's going to happen because they had Rambling Rabbit in the background of her promo with Nikki on SmackDown. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yeah, yeah, I did. And also uh, Bray Wyatt said that he was going to have a special guest next week. I mean, who else could that be? Postman Pierce? Well, no. Uh, Bray Wyatt actually said that they're going to have a new friend in the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, Which that's what I think, I think it's going to be. A, the belief is it's going to be a new puppet. Oh, well, that's stupid. <laughs> nah, I think it's going to be uh, Alexa. Okay, which would be stupider, new puppet or Alexa? Uh, which would be more stupid um, is, I don't know, I think a new puppet would be more stupid, to be honest with you. Alexa's slow turn into one of the Fiend's you know, minions at least makes sense considering everything that we've seen doesn't necessarily mean I think she needs to cross that boundary. But since we've learned recently that Firefly Funhouse is filmed right down the hallway, um, it's kind of lost all of its psycho credibility. Fun fact, I actually think that she gets through it through the door to Raw Underground. Oh, God. That's not (laughs) fun, and that's not a fact. (laughs) Um, I will say this much, Sister Alexis, still hot AF. Alexa Bliss is a beautiful woman, period. America. Bowling for Soup was on to something there. All right. Where can people find you online, Tony? Uh, 411mania.com. I am there, like, damn near every night. I feel like I've been working overtime recently. Um, I do Monday Night Raw, Wednesday Night Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown, the occasional pay-per-view. I would write a column if I had the time, but I don't, so... Oh, Harry, did I ever talk to you about the top 50 intense uh, songs of the last 25 years? Maybe more? You did. You did not. Okay, cool. I did not. Oh, so I, I, I asked as a joke one of my friends, and we could say this on air, um, who he thought was his, the top five, you know, uh, entrances. Now, I'm not saying as a show, like the brood coming from the floor – Literally just songs. Like, you'd put it on your radio and let it play. You know what I mean? Um, of course. And we scaled it all the way back to, like, WrestleMania, I think, 10. Uh, five or 10. Friend, Dino. I might... No, 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 it wasn't. But I do want to ask him. So he's like, well, he gave me a list. My friend Robert gave me a list of the top 50. And I'm like, damn, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I know 50. I know I know them, but I'd have to, like, you know, look up, do some research. So I thought... It would be fun if I asked some of my closest wrestling fans slash friends, uh, you, Michael Ornelas, I'll probably ask Dino, Robert is one of them, and then myself, and we each have a list, and then I can kind of um, ration them, uh, you know, rate them all out, compile all of our lists together, have a top ten, and then I could, like, split it up amongst the writers, me, you, probably Michael, and just write a little blurb for the top ten, but I think it would stretch at least a month, maybe two, and just a nice little way to get some clicks on 411, you know? Um, 
If you're asking me to do a top 50, I don't know that I can. I could probably give you a top 20. Uh, I bet. I bet once you sit down and think about it, you can do 50. I'll send you the parameters, and then you can see what you come up with. There's no time. Um, there's no. Um, there's no time crunch on it. There's no like due date quite yet. So have fun with would, it. Would you like? Would you like a spoiler? <laughs> sure. Why not? You got your top one already. Oh, I already know my favorite wrestling theme song of all time. Absolutely. You know what? I love uh, it. when it when it comes to professional wrestling. I may not respect what he's become over the years. But to me, when I think professional wrestling, I think thus spake Zarathustra. Uh, Space Odyssey, two thousand and one, Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, I predict some of the because so here's what I got. I got Dino and my friend Robert. They're not. Um, they're kind of casual viewers. I predict they're gonna go like the Stone Cold route, or uh, you know, and also no remixes. So we can't do the disturbed version of Stone Cold, which I think is like top ten material. That shit is. Amazing. Oh, that's uh. bullshit. <laughs> because straight up, Glass Shatters would have been in my top ten. That's the yeah. disturbed version. That's what it was called. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure on the parameters yet. I only did that because I mean, there's so many different versions of, of some tracks. I might include it, and it might help you to get to the 50 if I do. But it's a long, it's it's a long-term project. But uh, I already talked to the heads of 411, and it's going to happen. I just want to get people that I trust involved. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Fuck it. All right, cool. <laughs> Hopefully, I feel better while working on it too. Hey, it gives me a reason to use my Spotify account, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, at HGB the Eagle on Twitter. At HGB the Eagle on Instagram. Harry Broadhurst on Facebook, obviously, although I am also facebook.com backslash H-E-B, the Eagle. I literally have that name on every single major website that I, that you could have, except Snapchat, because I don't have one of those. And I don't have a TikTok either, because unlike Greg DeMarco, I respect my dignity. Bang, bang. Anyway, so yeah, you can find me on all your socials and stuff. Make sure you guys check out 401 Mania. Make sure you guys check out the chair shot, obviously. Um, Greg would probably prefer that we plug the chair shot since we are on the chair shot radio network. But, you know, Tony, uh, 411, 411 pays Tony, so they get the love, too. <laughs> yeah, Tony Khan pays me, too. Thanks, Tony. Can't believe you called yourself a con, man. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> Is it wrong that when you said that, the first thought that went through my head is, just look at me, the old Rob Conway (laughs) song? Nice. And that ties it all up in a nice, pretty little bow. He's the Down Since Day One co-host, Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. Hopefully, the co-hostess with the most dismissed list, Puglisi, will be back next week. We kind of put this show together on short notice. We yeah, I want to see what Liz has to say about Ray Mysterio and his family beating down uh, poor Murphy. <laughs> I'm sure she'll compliment Angie's outfit because, you know, that's that's what she noticed the last time. The bow? Ugh. <laughs> look, they look like they look like my cousin's family coming late to a Christmas party. Man. 
Be a Mexican, Tony, not a Mexican, will you? I I try. Peace, Tony. I'm Harry. I'm getting out of here before retribution attacks us again. Thanks for listening to the reaction here on the Chairshot Radio Network. We'll talk to you next week. Deuces, bitches. You have been listening to The Reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network. Join us again next Monday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.